Um, when is the last time you thought about your pineal gland? Some of you are like, what is that? <laughs> what is a pineal gland? So it's actually, uh, it's, it's a very tiny part of your body. It's 0.8 centimeters long, and it weighs 0.1 grams, and, and it's, it's up in your brain. And the pineal gland is a, the part of your body that secretes melatonin into your body to help regulate your uh, regular 24-hour rhythm. The reason that your body knows that there's 24 hours in a day and that there's nighttime and that there's daytime is because of a tiny little gland in your brain. It affects how you sleep, how you wake up, how you react to the seasons uh, is all affected by this tiny little gland in your body. And so probably all of us Maybe some of you have, are different, but up until this moment, you have never thought about your pineal gland. Has anyone? Liar, Corland. You've never thought about that. Uh, but here's the thing. There are so many uh, tiny, intricate parts of your body that you wouldn't actually notice or know that, that it's there unless something happened to it. Right? When something happens, like so if you have a, a malfunction with your pineal gl gland and now you can't sleep and your body's not right, you would know what, it, what it's all about, right? But lots of times <clears throat> in your human body, there's parts of your body that you don't even think about because they, they just do what they're supposed to do. Um, in our passage this morning, Paul is going to use the analogy, the metaphor of a human body to help try and explain a proper view of spiritual gifts. Um, he's going to say that just like, you know, you have a human body, the church is like a body. And, and he's going to use that analogy to help us. And, and remember, what was the issue going on in Corinth? Um, they, they were arguing and dividing over spiritual gifts. My gift is more important than yours. And I am actually a better Christian because I have a better gift than you. And so Paul is going to now talk about, no, 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 no. There is diversity in the gifts, and the diversity is what makes up the unity of the church body. We need all the body parts is essentially what he's going to get at. So four main points uh, that Paul is going to make in our passage, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 12 to 31, and all of them help us combat pride in our, our gifts. So here's his first point. Number one, we are one body because of the Holy Spirit. So verse 12, this is what he says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So do you see, like, here's the analogy. You as a human body, we would say, well, how many bodies do you have? You have one body, right? But you are made up of fingers and toes and legs and arms and lungs and a brain and eyes and ears. You're made up of all these different parts, but we wouldn't say, well, you're, you are 258 bodies. No, you're one body, right? And you have many different parts to the body. And so Paul says, just like that, the church is one body, but there is uh, many members in the body. Verse 13, he says, 
Well, well, how is this so? How are we one body? Verse 13, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So what makes us, right? You look around the room, there's, you know, 200 people here. What makes us, all these different members, what makes us one body? And Paul says, well, it's because we have a common experience of the Holy Spirit. That what's, that's, that's the thing that makes us one. It's not uh, your different ethnicities. It's not your social, uh, socioeconomic status. It's not any of those things. What makes us one is the Holy Spirit. We were baptized in one spirit. This can either mean um, water baptism or uh, you being filled with the Spirit when you uh, converted, when you surrendered, when you said, right, Jesus is Lord. He says everyone who's a Christian has that same experience. They are filled with the Spirit. And then when he says that you were made to drink of one Spirit, that's just a different way to say the same thing. That you, it's the experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus talked about this in John 7. It says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given. Because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus says, hey, everyone, anyone thirsts, come and drink. And now this river is going to flow out of your heart. Well, what is he talking about? It's the Holy Spirit. That's what makes us one. So even if you look around the room, I mean, we're all so different, aren't we? It's like, it's not that, well, what makes us one as a church is we're all farmers. It's like, no, I have never farmed a day in my life. right? We're all blue collar. I'm like, nope, I have like no calluses, right? I sit at a desk all day and I type sermons up, right? So we go, what, well, what's, what unites us? Here's the common denominator of every follower of Jesus in the room. You have the Holy Spirit. That is what makes us one. What unites us are not all of these things that the world would say that's what unites you, no, the, the one thing that unites us and makes us one body is the Holy Spirit. Here's point number two Paul makes. Don't think too lowly about your gifts. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? So, okay, this, these examples are, like, quite comical when you actually, like, picture them. I actually commissioned some artists to draw up what this would look like. So go ahead. Um, very well-known artists in Fort St. John, my two daughters. So I, said, I read the verse to them. I said, draw what you think that would look like. And so there's the, the foot saying, I'm not a hand. And it's leaving the body, and the body's like, okay. Uh, you can go to the next one. 
um, there's, you know, uh, what you would look like if you were just an eye. And someone says, hello, and they go, pardon, right? Because they don't have any ears. Uh, you can go to the next one. I think this is Ruby's uh, same thing, just a big old eyeball. Uh, and then the last one, uh, there's, if you were just an ear, smell this rose. What rose? I can't see what you're talking about. So, uh, you know, Paul is using, uh, like, outlandish examples to try and, and get a, a point across. It would be, like, just absolutely ridiculous if you looked like that, right? Uh, if my hand was like, I'm not a foot, I don't belong to your body, we'd be like, what? What are you talking about? Or if you were just Mike Wazowski walking around, just a big eyeball, right? You'd just be like, that's not normal, right? That's not good, so Paul is using the example of our human body. We don't act like that. And now he's saying, okay, well, let's compare that to the, the church body. And listen, we laugh at like the, the ridiculousness of the pictures, but lots of people act like this though. Uh, I don't have the gift of preaching, so I'm not valuable to the church. Or I, I don't have the gift of wisdom and knowledge, so I'm not as important as other people in the church, right? I know, I know some of you have that view of like, my gift just is not as important as other people's gifts. And Paul's whole point is, listen, if we were all just an eye, do you realize how unhealthy that would be? How would you hear anything? How would you smell anything? If you were just an ear, how would you see? How would you smell? Like the whole point is if if the church body was just comprised of one type of gift, that would be a bad thing. We would say, that church is really unhealthy. Like if all, if, let's say if this, at North Peace MB Church, the only gift that everyone had was the gift of faith. Some people would go, wow, that's amazing that the church has some, that would be terrible. Who would preach? Right? Or if everyone in the church had the gift of preaching, man, oh man, our services would just go on forever and ever and ever. Well, it's my turn to preach now. Now it's my turn to preach. And, and who would administrate? Who would keep the lights on? Who would organize? Who would lead? If, if the church only has one gift, Paul's whole point is that's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. If you were made up of one body part, if you were just an eyeball, you got to go to the hospital. You're not healthy. Look at what he says in verse 18 to actually even uh, push this point forward even more. He says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. So listen, it's, it's not uh, like willy-nilly that it happened that all these different gifts came together. God chose people and gave them specific gifts for the church. And Paul continues, if all, in verse 19, were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there's many parts, yet one body. If we were all just one singular body part, Paul says, then you actually don't have a body. But if the church has many different parts, that actually makes up one, one complete body. Paul's trying to encourage people in the church who think lowly about their gifts 
And I just, I, I have to, if that's you, if you're like, all I have is the gift of mercy, or all I have is the gift of helps, or all I do is behind the scenes and no one knows that I, I do things for the church. Listen, if you are thinking lowly of your gifts, what it is is you're actually rejecting the sovereignty of God in placing you in this church with that gift. Like, that's pretty serious. It's more than just like a low view of yourself. You're saying, God made a mistake when he gave me that gift and put me in this body. God God gave all of us gifts for a specific reason. So don't think too lowly about your gift. Don't say, well, because I'm not a foot, I don't belong. Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong. No, have an accurate view of we need your gift So Paul's like whole first point is there was clearly people in Corinth who thought my gifts are dumb. Uh, I, I, I have nothing to offer to the church. And he says, no, don't think too lowly about the gifts you have. Uh, point number three Paul makes is on the flip side, don't think too highly about your gifts. So it's like Paul's speaking to people who uh, they have a really low view of their gifts And now he flips it and he's speaking to those who there appears to be lots in Corinth who have a really high view of their gift. And we're, we're going to see especially the gift of tongues. People were like, I have the gift of tongues. That's the highest gift you can have. So this is what he says in verse uh, 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. So see, it's opposite. In the first example, Paul says it's body parts saying, oh, no one needs me. I'm not a part of the body. And they have this low view. And now it's the opposite. It's other body parts saying, well, I don't actually even need you. I'm the eye. Do I need a hand? Which again, think about how ridiculous that is. If you were just an eye and then you saw on the the table uh, apple pie, which is the greatest dessert, and you're an eye, and you're like, man, I want to eat that, but I don't need a hand to grab it. I don't need a mouth to chew it, and you're just looking at the pie, willing it to be eaten. Paul's like, it's so ridiculous that a body part would say to another body part, I don't need you. He's like, yes, you do. All the body parts need each other. Uh, Verse 22, he says, on the contrary, So opposed to that view of certain body parts are are better, he says the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving great Greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So what is Paul getting at when he says, um, actually, there's parts of the body that appear to be weaker that are actually indispensable to the functioning of the body. Uh, And he says, actually, on those parts, we should bestow greater honor. I think most likely Paul is, is talking about, when he talks about weaker gifts or things that appear weaker or things that you don't think about, he's most likely talking about um, your internal organs, which we would go, well, those aren't weaker. I, I agree, but when's the last time you actually sat down and thought long and hard about your kidneys or your spleen or your gallbladder or the things that you just don't think about if they're running the way they should? We would go like, 
Are they important? I mean, some of them were like, you can actually live without that, right? that part, right? And what Paul's whole point is, things that seem unimportant, things that maybe operate behind the scenes, gifts that um, aren't in the, the spotlight are actually the ones that matter the most. They're the ones that we should bestow uh, the most amount of honor on. Now, when he says your unpresentable parts... Uh, I think we all know. Parents, you can explain to your kids at home what he's talking about. But he says, your unpresentable parts, you actually treat with more modesty. You uh, clothe those parts that maybe you don't even think about your hands or your feet, but you're like, well, my unpresentable parts, I have to treat them with honor and clothe them and, and, and have modesty. So he's saying those gifts, um, we need to bestow honor and dignity and value to them, even if we don't see them all the time, even if we don't, uh, they're not the, the, for lack of a better term, the showier gifts, right? We cover certain body parts, and we take care of other body parts, and the church should similarly go out of its way to honor people that we often overlook, to take care of people who are using their gifts behind the scenes that don't have stage time, so to speak. So listen, I can tell you of like so many people in our church um, who you might not even know are serving. Just all of these behind the scenes things. We have a, a, a lot of people in this church that have the gift of helps. And the gift of helps is basically like, I, d- I don't want to be up front. I just want to if you need something done, if you need that thing fixed, if you need a table set up, if, you need, if that person who is needy in the church needs a new roof, I will gladly go and do all of those things. I don't want any credit. I don't want any uh, accolade for it. We have so many people in this church that have gifts that operate behind the scenes. Um, I know of a, an, an older uh, woman who has some health issues and um, she has told me that, man, I just feel like I can't do anything for the church. I can't go to Bible studies. I can't lead life groups. I just can't come to things because I'm just so weak and my body is just kind of frail. And, and she's, she's said things like, I just feel like I don't have anything to offer the church. But you know, every day this woman wakes up and she has a a, a list of names that she prays by name for these people day after day after day after day. And I go, oh, sister, you're doing nothing for the body? Are you kidding me? Your gift is one that we should bestow great honor on, that no one sees you spending hours in prayer, laboring in prayer over all of these names of people that you love and you're praying for them. Like Paul's saying, you might never see that body part, but you should bestow great honor upon it because we need that gift. But the problem is, is that in the North American church, we have uh, bought into this kind of like celebrity uh, celebrity pastor, celebrity Christian, and do you know the gifts that get the most honor are the ones that are in the spotlight? And wow, there's such a gifted communicator, and wow, their singing is like amazing, because these are the gifts that you see week after week after week, and Paul is saying, don't think too highly of the gifts. Bestow honor and value and worth to the gifts that nobody sees. 
So Paul, that's why he says that God has, has given greater honor to the part that lacked it, verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members of the church will have the same care for one another. See, again, Paul's addressing divisions in my gift is speaking in tongues, so I'm better than you. And Paul's like, no, you're not, though. You should actually show greater honor to someone who has the gift of mercy and helps and administration because those gifts are just as valuable. So don't think too highly of your gift. Have an accurate view. Like verse 26, Paul says, if one member suffers, we all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. See, again, he's pointing back to, are we one body or are we just a bunch of body, random body parts? No, we're one body. So when, when one member suffers, the whole body should suffer. So even if you think about like, um, I've had toothaches before and a tooth is like this big. And my whole body, I'm like, Molly, I can't get out of bed today. She's like, really, your tooth? So some of you have had pain that it's like, it's such a small body part, but it affects my whole body. That's what Paul's saying. If one member of our church body suffers, we should all feel it. We should all go, man, I just feel like I'm suffering with them because we're one body. When one member rejoices, should we then go, well, why do they get all the good things? And why don't I get, no, rejoice. They're a part of your body. Like one commentator I read said, when someone wins a race, let's say they were running a marathon and they're first place, the person at the end doesn't congratulate their legs. Good job running. You're the body part that ran. No, who do you congratulate? The whole body. You won the race. So when someone uses their gift and and they're rejoicing, we should all go, praise God. Amazing. Um, how do we do this then in the church body? Because I think lots of times we just become like the, the, the Corinthian church, either really jealous or resentful. I'll give you like candidly a, uh, a story about my own sin. Like when we were gone on sabbatical, like not preaching for 16 weeks, it was kind of like, oh, who am I? Uh, preaching is, this is what I love to do, right? It's God's gifted me. And then uh, I heard, uh, it was uh, on one of the live streams, I was like, I'm just going to watch part of it because I miss everybody. And Don got up and he said something along the lines of, uh, uh, yes, when Bob Cobb was preaching, there was someone who like was overcome by the gospel and gave their lives to Jesus. And like, then this other thing happened and he's sharing all these good things. Shame on me. I was like, why do I have to miss out on all that stuff? Honestly, and it's like, no, 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 no. You're a part of the body. A win for someone else in the body is a win for you. We rejoice. We go, praise God. Well, I didn't get to lead them to the Lord. It's like, who cares? We rejoice, right? Paul's whole point is we suffer together. We rejoice together. Why? Because although we're made up of all these different members, we are actually just one body. So don't think too highly of your gift. Uh, Paul's last point is this. Number four, when we gather, some contributions are more edifying than others. Um, Verse 27, Paul kind of uh, repeats everything that he's just said. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, right? So he's repeated himself, right? We're one body made up of lots of members, 
And then he says this in verse 28, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And you're like, okay, time out. Paul, you just spent who knows how many verses saying, don't rank the gifts. All the gifts are important. There's not some that are better than others. And then you go, but in verse 28, he's like, well, actually, there's first apostle. Now, Paul, are you ranking the gifts? It just seems so counterintuitive, doesn't it? Where you go, wait a second, I thought all the gifts were needed. I thought we were all on level ground. What is Paul getting at? What is he doing in verse 28? Here's a question. Why does Paul use the word church in verse 28 and not body? The whole rest of the passage is you are one body. The body does this. The body does this. The body does this. Why wouldn't he say, and God has appointed in the body first apostles? Why does he use the word church? Um, The word church in the Greek language is ecclesia, which just literally means the gathering. Here's what Paul means. When the church gathers, what, what we're doing right now, as we gather together, there are some gifts, some contributions that are more edifying than others. That doesn't make them better. It's just that they edify more. So here's what he means. Church, when we gather, focus on the gifts that edify the most. We should prioritize gifts in our gatherings and actually give privileged time to gifts that edify the most. That's why he starts with apostles, prophets, and teachers. What is the common denominator in those three gifts? Those are people who proclaim the word of God. They communicate God's word. Paul is saying, listen, church, when you gather, prioritize the preaching and the proclamation of the word of God. Then he says, well, uh, then miracles. Great. Who wouldn't want to see a miracle in our gathering? Now, again, don't just think like the, the abuse side of things. Oh, now legs are going to lengthen and grow. No. Would a miracle be a lost person coming to know Jesus? Yes. That's what we should prioritize, the gospel said, so that we see miracles. Paul says then, healing, awesome. I would love if people were healed on Sundays. Helping, right? We should be helping one another when we gather. What do you need, brother? What do you need, sister? Is there anything I can help you with? Administration, so get your spreadsheets out. (laughs) But we need administration on our, our gatherings to make things function and work. Notice what he puts bottom of the list as priority when we gather, tongues. Now why? Because the Corinthian church said, you know what's most important when we gather? Everybody's speaking in tongues. And Paul says, actually no, that's low on the list. Because tongues is not a gift that edifies the body as much as other gifts. Um, this is why, you know, we, our services, when we gather we meet for 75, 80 minutes. This is why like over half of our time is dedicated to the proclamation of the word. Because Paul is saying that gift edifies the church. 
It doesn't mean that, well, now, right? How, now I'm more important than you. No, 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 no. But it's just reality that there are gifts when the church gathers that edify more than others. So listen, if you go to a church and the priority is not the proclamation and explanation of the word of God, that church's priorities are all out of whack. Paul says that is what you should prioritize because that's what edifies us. Now, verse 29, he then asks a whole bunch of rhetorical questions. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in, do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, the way this is written in Greek, there's a Greek participle before at the beginning of each phrase, and it's a hypothetical question expecting a no response. You could also write it down in English. Surely, not all are apostles. Not all are prophets. Not all are teachers. Not all do miracles. Not all possess gifts of healing. Surely, not all speak in tongues, and not everybody interprets. So, what, again, what is Paul saying? God's gifted. He's chosen people with gifts to be in the church. Not everybody has all the gifts. Now, I just, as an aside, um, in love, I just have to say that our Pentecostal brothers and sisters on this point uh, have been dead wrong for 120 years because they have said, as part of their doctrine, all Christians must speak in tongues. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the evidence is you will speak in tongues. If you haven't spoken in tongues, you probably don't have the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says, not everyone speaks in tongues. We all have different gifts. So don't think high of your gift and don't think low of your gift. Have an accurate view. God, the church needs my gift. Okay, I'm just going to serve. I'm going to give my gift to the church, and I'm going to edify the church. That's why Paul says in verse 31, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Again, it would be so contrary if he said, hey, don't worry, there's not a hierarchy of gifts, but you should probably desire the higher ones. What does he mean? He means when we gather, we should desire the, the gifts that edify the most. So when we gather on Sundays, we should prioritize and, and desire that the proclamation of the word would be the focus because that's what edifies us the most. So to, to wrap up, uh, Paul's whole point as he deals with this church in Corinth is, man, we got to have a proper view of the gifts of the Spirit. Um, some of us just think too lowly of our gifts, where we go, ah, oh, it's just the gift of faith, it's just the gift of mercy, it's, just, it's not this showy gift, I don't, I'm not on stage in the spotlight, I'm behind the scenes. And Paul's saying, no, don't think lowly of your gift, we need your gift. You're not any less a part of the body because you have a gift that's different from someone else. And then some of us, our, our battle is that we can think too highly of our gifts. I've shared lots about my battle with pride because it can be very easy to stand on a stage and everyone's listening to you and the spotlights are on. You're like, wow, I must be pretty great. And God will just like, boom, uppercut me. And then I'll learn my lesson for a little bit. Because Paul's like, don't think so highly of, I have a better gift than everyone else. And what would the church do without me? And it's like, no, you are one member of the body. We need all of it. And then when we gather as a church, 
our desire should be to prioritize the gifts that edify us the most. Like that every gathering, it would just be like, okay, well, what, when we gather, we have a limited amount of time, what is going to be the thing that just edifies us the, the most and that we would prioritize that? So my encouragement is to, for you is to, one, figure out what your gift is and then just to have a, an accurate proper view of your gift where you go it doesn't matter if I'm seen or not I just want to serve I want to bless the church I want to bless the body of Christ by using the gifts that he's given me so father I thank you um, that we are one body Um, God forgive us when um, I, I know my heart can be very much like the Corinthian heart where we prioritize and we just think that you know, certain gifts are, well, I'm just better. I'm more gifted. I'm more spiritual because I have this gift as opposed to this gift. Um, God, I pray that we would just have this accurate view of, of we are one body made up of all of these different parts. And just like if certain body parts on our human bodies were missing, we would notice And we would go, that's actually not what a body is supposed to look like. I pray that in our church that we wouldn't um, rank the gifts, but that we would say we need all of these gifts. Every gift is indispensable. And even the gifts that we would maybe see as lesser God, I pray that we would bestow more honor on those gifts. The -the behind-the-scenes gifts, the gifts that don't get, you know, airtime necessarily. So God, I pray for each one. I pray that they would, they would be able to figure out and know what their gifts are and that they would say then, I, I don't need to think too highly or too lowly. I just want to serve the body by using the gifts that God has given me. God, you've chosen each one. Your word says that you chose each gift, each person for the body. So help us to just trust in your sovereignty in placing each one of us here. So we just thank you for all of this, Jesus, uh, and we pray all of this in your mighty name. Amen.